talk, talking crime, cases, and backing the blue. Now, here are your hosts, Captain Ed Mamet and Detective Kevin Schroeder. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cop Talk. I'm Kevin Schroeder, retired MIP detective, and I'm here with my co-host, Captain Ed Mamet. Say hello, Captain. Hello, WABC listeners. So today's guest is uh, Anthony A.J. Johnson. He is recognized as one of the leading community police experts in the world. His videos are on social media. He has been viewed over 100 million times on social media. AJ has a huge following. AJ has traveled the world speaking at schools and universities, police agencies, and private businesses as well. Welcome, AJ. Thank you for having me. So let's tell the story now, how we met. We met down in Washington, correct, with Police Week about That's a right. month or so ago. Yeah, yeah. What, what was the name of that uh, that Irish pub? Um, <laughs> the Irish Channel. The Irish Channel. Okay, yep. there we go. Irish Channel. Shout out to the Irish Channel. Yeah, that yeah. was a good time. That was uh, a, a blast. I yes. love going to D.C. during Police Week. Yes, we had some uh, mutual friends that day. Uh, my boys from Cleveland, friends of yours as well. Yep. Uh, John Kubis and Sergeant Schroeder. And... Um, you know, it was just a great crew and great time. And uh, actually, it's, it's all about the cause why we were all there, you know. Absolutely. Um, but um, so I know I know you uh, let, let's let's begin here. I know you had a uh, rough bringing up, you know, and uh, can we touch on that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm an open book. Whatever you want to know, I'm, I'm definitely willing to share. OK, so, I mean, you had a uh, you know, it's a rough bringing up and, um, you know, you overcome you overcome a lot. And why don't you tell our audience? Uh, you know, in regards to your background, you're bringing up. Yeah. So um, I was actually I spent the first six years of my life in a uh, apartment complex by the nickname of Uzi Alley. Um, and that okay. apartment complex had that nickname due to the amount of violent crimes committed with fully automatic weapons. Um, at that time, it was one of the most dangerous places in central Ohio. So not just in Columbus, but in central Ohio. Um, so as you can imagine, the things that I saw, um, just within those first six years, like you name it. Um, but after those six years, the, um, local government came in and they, they shut the apartment complex down. So we had to move, uh, we moved down the street, maybe like three blocks away an equally as bad area. And actually a majority of the people from Uzi Alley moved to the same area that we moved because they lowered their, their rent because they wanted to attract, um, renters. But, um, highly abusive father addicted to crack cocaine. Uh, he was a functioning alcoholic, couldn't read or write, uh, would sexually assault my mother. It was, it was just not the ideal, um, living conditions. And that really directed, um, the, the rest of my, my life, um, in, until I got to about 19. Um, but you know, it took me five years to graduate high school. I almost didn't graduate my fifth year. I graduated at the bottom of my class. Um, when I was 18, um, I was, I was almost homeless. I didn't have anywhere to go. My mother lost her house because she couldn't afford, um, the, the uh, mortgage on the house that she was in. So you name it, you know, just hanging around gang members, uh, drug dealers being influenced by the, the, you know, the old saying birds of a feather flock together and you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Um, I, I was unfortunately falling into that trap. Um, so that that was my upbringing um, up until I was about 19, 19 and a half. Um, and, and I'm in a person who forever changed my life. Now, what made you uh, want to become get into law enforcement? It's it's a it's a pretty wild story, actually. Um, so when I found out that I was going to be homeless, 
I had a few more months to to figure out where I was going to go. Me and I had a few more months to pay rent where I was at. Um, I called my mother up um, because at the time I was living in a drug house. And uh, unbeknownst to me, she had lost the house. So she was living with my uncle. So I really couldn't stay there. Um, I called a couple, quote unquote, friends, asked them if I could crash at their place. They said no. Um, so for some reason, I got a gym membership because some somewhere something told me when you're going through a difficult time workout. Um, so I'm working out and this short, stocky guy walks up to me and um, tells me I'm using the machine wrong. And I was completely rude to him. Like, I just like cussed him out, like, get out of here. I didn't tell you to come over here and tell me how to use this machine. And he just kind of laughed and walked away. I thought about it that night and how wrong I was in treating him that way. Um, so I made it a point to go back to the gym the same day, hoping that he would be there so I could apologize. And he was. I, I apologized. We instantly kicked it off. He accepted my apology. He started letting me work out with him and his group of friends. Um, he immediately became a, like a mentor of mine. He didn't know it at the time. Um, but after about two months, he opened his doors to me of his home and um, stopped, prevented me from being homeless. He didn't he didn't want to see this young kid um, who he saw potential in be homeless. So it was around that time that I realized he was a police officer and it just rocked my world because at that time I hated police. I thought police officers were racist. I thought they were corrupt. I thought, you know, all right. the stuff that we're spoon fed when we, we turn on the radio and we turn on the news. Um, I believed all that because that was what my circle of influence told me. So um, he just really opened up the door for me and took me under his wing and uh, planted that seed. And he said that I should join the police department. I should get my life together first. Right. Stop doing all the stupid stuff I was doing. Um, join the police department, go back to the community in which I was raised and mentor the youth the same way that he was mentoring me. Um, and it was appealing. And I didn't look back. I was full steam ahead. I cut off a bunch of dead weight. Um, I had friends, quote, quote unquote, friends threatened to shoot my mother's house up because I was now the police or trying to be the police. Um, but it, it was a wild journey. But um, I'm, I'm glad I made it and 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 I'm so blessed to to have him in my life to this day um, as as one of my best friends. Now, how long do you have on a job? How long are you on a job now? Um, so the agency that I work for now, I've been there 10 years, uh, but I work for a small village just southeast of where I work now, uh, which is the city of Columbus um, for uh, two years prior to that. So 12, about 12 and a half years. 12, 10 and a half years. And you have a 25 year retirement plan or is it we 20? We do. Yeah, 25, 25 years. Yep. Yeah, I wish I had 20. We were actually the, the <laughs> class before us got 20 and ours was the cutoff. So I just missed it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, NYPD is 25 now as well. You know, yeah, yeah, I think uh, and, that, and, and that extra five. Bang. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just trying to get more bang for their buck. Absolutely. Yeah. And five years goes quick. The extra five years. I mean, uh, yeah. just to ask my uh, co-host, uh, Captain Ed. Go ahead, Captain. Yeah, I did 40 years. Oh, <laughs> you know, nice. I was thinking is how did you get through the, the your background investigation? So it, it took some time. So this happened when I was about um, 19 years old. So we don't hire police officers until we're 21. You have to be 21 um, to, to join the police force. So this was years. This was years of me shaving off friends, um, getting away from the drug dealers, stop being involved in, in the activity that I was involved in. Um, and I just had to I had to wait until. So the hiring process has criteria, right? Like you can't smoke weed within X amount of years. Um when you put your application in. So I just had to wait for, for that set amount of years. And fortunately for me, it fell right within that time frame of when I turned 21. Um, but I actually put my application in the first time and they, they looked at my background pack and they were like, uh, no, thank you. I <laughs> think 
we, we we're good. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I ended up paying to put myself through another academy, got on with that smaller agency, worked there for two years, and then put my application back in with the city of Columbus. And they asked me um, during my oral board, which was, which is one of the last steps for the hiring process. Um, I, I think he, he said something along the lines of, you know, if we didn't want you three years ago, what makes you think we want you now? Uh, and my answer was, you know, sir, with all due respect, like this is where I'm meant to be. So if you don't hire me now, I'll be back the year after and I'll be back the year after um, until you hire me. And I think that made uh, just enough impact for them to to, to trust me and, and hire me. You know, you remind me uh, when Kirk Douglas uh, first became, uh, you know, well known in the movies, he made a movie called The Detective. It okay. Probably made, made around 1950, 51. And he came from a similar background in the movie, anyway, uh, about you, you know, you had. Uh, and uh, it was a very interesting movie. You might want to look it up. It was with okay. Eleanor Parker, played his wife. And um, it, it was just a great movie. And he, it was all about his sordid background and how he became a very dedicated cop, almost to the point of uh, being obsessed, you know, hardline <laughs> guy. It's a great movie. Yeah, it's it, it, that's uh, easy but, to do in our profession. I'll, I'll definitely have to check that out. I appreciate it. Um, it's been a great journey, though. It's, it, it's I, 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 I don't regret it at all. I don't, I, I don't regret it one bit. Yeah, you know, um, as you know, crime is uh, getting out of control all over the country, and um, I was wondering what's it like in Columbus, the crime picture. You know, here in New York, uh, we're having our problems. Uh, we have problems with the district attorney's office. We have problems with the uh, with the state legislature. You know, it's a democratic controlled state, and I don't want to get into politics. But all I can tell you is that things are going downhill rapidly. We yeah. may have to move out to where you are. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if you want to come out here because it's pretty bad um, in Central Ohio as well. <laughs> um, I, I don't know how many homicides we have um, t- to date, but but they're up there. Our felonious assaults are up there. Violent crimes are up there. Um, unfortunately, I think it's a nationwide trend and, um, you know, 2020 didn't help. I think 2020 was the, the gas on the fire for a lot of, um, states and, and, and cities and municipalities, um, across the country. But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting times. It, it's, it's very interesting times. And, you know, you have a lot of police officers out there, um, whose hands are tied and they're not allowed to co- go out there and be the police and be proactive, um, which, that doesn't affect the police officers, right? Like they're going to get a paycheck every two weeks. Like even though they want to go out and do these things, they can't, it ultimately affects the community. And I just don't think people realize that. Um, but I think they will soon because, you know, like you said, the numbers are up. AJ, excuse me, captain AJ, uh, how many police officers do you have on your department? Uh, about 2000, 2000. Yes, okay. sir. I'm sorry. Again. Not, not like New York. You got, that's how, about the IP? number that, that, that's about the number of uh, cops in, just in the borough of Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy. Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, what do we have, about 38,000 now, Ed? Probably. Uh, we have the equivalent of about two and a half army divisions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. that's a city. Like 38,000 people is like a legit-sized city. That's that's yeah. that's impressive. Yeah. yeah. I'm um, sorry, go what, ahead, about politi- what about political support? <laughs> do you uh, have problems with them? Like we do oh. here in New York. <laughs> Um, you know, not right now we're good. So, um, you know, Columbus has, has been a department and really the city of Columbus, um, has, has been a city 
that's just like rich in history. So like, you know, we, we've, we've always done things this way. So we're going to continue to do things this way. Um, and I say that to say that two years ago, we hired our first outside chief, meaning every other chief that we had has come throughout the ranks. So we did a nationwide search for a chief and they hired a um, female by the name of Elaine Bryant, chief Elaine Bryant um, to, to be our chief. And she brought a first assistant chief. So she brought somebody that she made number two in charge. Um, and they have a great relationship with the mayor. They have a great relationship with the city prosecutor, which helps us, right? Because she's able to kind of be that buffer um, between us. Now, it's not the support that I had when I first got on, but it's definitely not what we witnessed nationwide during 2020 and in, in, in those surrounding years. Um, so we're, we're we're pretty fortunate right now. We're kind of riding this wave of 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 that good relationship and like all the good work Chief is doing right now. Uh, today, your work as a motivational speaker uh, is very interesting and it has a global impact. So, yeah. what inspired? What um, motivated you to become a motivational speaker? Uh, you know, it was kind of like being a police officer. It found me. So I was I was at work one day and I get an email from Harvard. Now, keep in mind, I barely graduated high school. It took me five years and I've never stepped foot on a college campus as a student. Not once, never enrolled, none of that. So I get this email from Harvard and they requested that I speak to their students at the Kennedy School of Government, which is like their top tier school at the university. And I thought it was a joke. I thought it was like spam. I'm like, there's no way Harvard's reaching out to me. Um, but come to find out, um, a, a bunch of their students had saw some of my videos and how I interact with the community. And they just wanted me to come in. And a, they actually wanted me to share the, sp the stage with the then president of the ACLU. So we shared the stage. We had a great conversation, a great dialogue. It was around the time body cameras were being implemented. So we did like a deep dive into body cameras, what our, what our personal opinions um, are on body cameras. And it was just amazing. So when I did that, I, it was such a rush for me and I enjoyed it so much because I was able to pour into these students at Harvard, which if you made it into Harvard, I would assume that you're going to end up somewhere in a position of power eventually. Um, so I just wanted to do it more. So I reached out to my high school that I graduated from, asked them if I could come and speak to the students and just share my story of success to kind of like motivate and encourage them. I did that. And by the end of that presentation, I was crying. All the students were crying. I had the entire high school, uh, ninth, 10th, 11th and 12th grade um, in the room. And it just it just took off from there. And I mean, since then, like I've, I've literally traveled the world. I've worked with professional sports teams, universities, detention centers. But it's my like passion because I've been through so much in my life. And I feel like I've learned so much in going through that, that if I could just redirect one person in the right direction, I feel like it will be worth it. Um, so, and, and it's rewarding. You know, when, when I go and I talk to these kids who are incarcerated and I let them know that this isn't the end of the road for them, they're going to get out one day. You could get your life together. Like, look at me. I, I was almost you. Um, and you kind of see that light switch go, go on for the first time. It's, it's more rewarding than the paycheck. Sounds like you could give Tony Robbins a good run. <laughs> I don't know about that. For sure. For sure. That, but it's, uh, it, yeah, it's, it, I don't know. All I can say is God is good. God is good. I mean, I, I don't know how to explain me going from almost failing my fifth year of high school to speaking at Harvard um, annually, because that wasn't just a one and done thing. Like I did so well there. They're like, yeah, please come back and, and, and do it again. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm blessed. What's a typical uh, week for you as a motivational speaker? 
so that's day that's day to day. So I might get so so this month. So I've probably had five gigs this month already. Um, and you know, it's, I could I could get flown out to California. So actually, earlier this month, I was in California. I spoke at a youth summit, and they wanted me to share my story. But they also went like a motivational twist put on it. So I actually was their opening keynote. And then I did like a closing 15 minute segment. It was a, a two day thing. Um, I did three presentations locally um, here in Columbus and I did one through Zoom. So it, it's really day to day. Whoever reaches out to me, um, you know, I, I the, the Columbus crew soccer team reach out to me and they're like, hey, we'd love to have you come in and talk to our people just to kind of like get them going and build them up. Um, I've talked to the Ohio State football team uh, before their season to kind of encourage them, which those are my guys. I'm a big Buckeye fan, of course. Um, oh, we so can tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it's day to day. I'll be back in at Harvard in, in September. I have another presentation at the beginning of next month. So um, it's it's just as they reach out and depending on what their needs are, I can make it happen. But uh, my primary job is is being a police officer. So me speaking has to kind of move around that. Are you familiar with the New York City Police Athletic League? The people that's called the PAL. Um, I'm not, but I actually am um, our PAL coordinator. So our police police athletic league coordinator. We're actually trying to kick it off and start it. Um, so I'd lo- I'd love to hear more and, and potentially get put in contact with uh, somebody over there. Oh yeah, I was just I was thinking you might be a very good uh, source for them, or maybe bring it to New York. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, Kevin, Kevin and I go to their lunches on a regular basis. Okay. And uh, the owner of the radio station that we we work on there is the chairman of the board of directors. Well, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna recommend recommend that you uh, be in touch with them. Maybe they'll bring you in. You could attend the yeah. uh, how luncheon and tell them about uh, what you do. Yeah, you yeah. Go to, I'll, yeah. Go I'll I'll be honored. We'll have to talk to John Katzmatidis, who is uh, pretty much runs the PAL. Correct, Ed. Yes. Have you been to New York before? I have been in I have been in New York. It, it was a one and done. Um I shouldn't say one and done, but it was I just I've just been there once. Um and I don't remember the exact neighborhood, but it was for a family reunion. It was a, a pretty rough area. I do know that because I was there for a family reunion and most of my family are on the rough side and the wrong side of the law. Uh, but that's actually where I got this scar from. I don't know if you can see the scar on my face. Um so oh. so yeah, so New York left a a, a permanent mark, <laughs> not not figuratively speaking, but a beautiful city, beautiful, beautiful city. Now, getting back to Police Week, you were there. Yes, sir. Uh, what was your experience there? Did you what I, did you participate in? Yeah, so I so I th- that I think that was my tenth year um, going to DC for Police Week. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I I try to go every year. I didn't go 2020 and I didn't go 2021. Um, but every since I've been a police officer, I, I've started going. Um, it's just for me, you feel the camaraderie and, and the brotherhood of being a police officer like nowhere else when you're in D.C. during police week. Um, it, it's everywhere you go, whether you stop by a bar, a restaurant, um, one of the events like the camaraderie is there, the brotherhood's there. You get to share stories. You get to let your guard down, which we're not really good at doing um, for, for the right reasons. Right. Uh, but you get to let your guard down in New York. Um, but I always do the um, candlelight vigil and I always do the um, actual memorial 
And then I stopped by the museum and I toured the museum. Um, they have a documentary that plays on the hour every hour. And I'm actually featured in that documentary. Um, and and I, I have the honor of being featured in that documentary. So I always stop by and, and check out the uh, museum to support them as well. Police morale, recruitment and retention are in crisis mode. Um, how do we turn it around? How do we get young people involved in police work? You know, it's a big, big problem now. Uh, it used to be thousands that would make uh, application for the job, yeah. and uh, now uh, there is <laughs> you can't get anybody. That's very true. That, that's very true, and uh, that, that's actually a question that gets brought up a lot. And I believe that we have to make our job appealing to the younger generation. You know, they don't think like we do. Um, they they don't maneuver or, or do the things that that we do, um, and 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 when. When I say we, I just mean the generations that that are older than them. Um, you know, they're growing up in a time where law enforcement is not only bad, but hated and loathed on, on a worldwide level. Um, you know, they're, they're growing up in the 2020 era where pol police officers are painted and, and videos of police officers are everywhere on the Internet um, in uses of force and deadly shootings. So I think it's up to us to kind of get that positive message out there to show them that that's not the reality of a majority of law enforcement officers. And I think once we do a better job at that, um, it, it will help the, the recruitment and retention, but it's not an overnight fix. It, it, it can't be an overnight fix. Um, I've, I've had so many people reach out to me who have saw my videos online. They're like, oh, you're, you're the cool cop. I like you. And I always have this conversation with like, you know, I, I appreciate that message, but I just happen to be the person that put it online. I think if we could get more of that positivity out there and sharing what we really do day in and day out, the countless lives that we share, how awesome the job is, um, how it can not only change your life, but your family's life for the better. I, I, th I think that will help. Um, but we have to meet them where they're at. We have to use social media. We have to hop on podcasts and do it. We have to do what the younger generation is doing in order to attract them. Speaking of podcasts, we hope that you'll circulate this one all over the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I'll definitely promote it. I, I will definitely promote absolutely. it. Absolutely. Do you have any friends from your old neighborhood looking to uh, come on the job? Um, you know, I not necessarily get on the job, but they are inspired by what I've been able to do by the job, by using the, the 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 platform of being a police officer. And they now respect the profession, which is so cool because, you know, like where I grew up, I mean, like cops were getting shot at, like in the neighborhood that I was raised. Um, I, you know, I've got friends that are so many friends that are dead or in prison and, and will be in prison for the rest of their life. Um, so for them to see somebody that they grew up with and did a lot of these things with grow up get his life together and become a police officer. And then they switch their mindset and go, you know what? Maybe not all cops are bad. Oh, that, that's one of like the most rewarding things in the world. But um, none have reached out to me and said they want to join, <laughs> which I, I didn't really expect it. Um, but I, I hang out with a good amount of them still um, at select venues, right? Like I don't <laughs> go to everywhere they're at, but um, we still talk. We still have great conversations. They call me up sometimes because they see the video online. And, and, you know, it upset them and they want to talk about it. And I kind of like walk them through uh, what my opinion of the video is. And they just think differently because they're getting the, the inside insight, if that makes sense. Right. Like we know why 
we have our hands on our guns and we walk up to cars and we know why we shine our lights in the rear view mirrors or the side mirrors when we approach cars during traffic stops. And when you're able to explain that to, to the civilian mind, it, something clicks in them and goes, oh, okay. So the, the officer didn't want to shoot me. Like, no, last thing I want to do is shoot you. I just want to go home at the end of the night, just like you. Um, so yeah, I'm able to convey that message, um, to my friends and, and, and inspire them in, in that manner. And if they want to, um, like check out some of my stuff from my website, it's just ajspeaks.org. Um, and they, they could see all the stuff on there. A, the letter A, the letter J speaks.org. AJ, it's been a pleasure having you here. Um, like I said, I know when I see you DC, we all had fun. I think the captain was sleeping at night. He went to bed early, but we stayed <laughs> up, uh, like bad boys and had some fun. And, uh, it was yes, we did. It's a great time considering the cause, what it's all about, the honor and all our, um, all our deceased from all our uh, police officers throughout the country. I'd like to thank our guest today, Anthony A.J. Johnson, police officer out in Columbus, Ohio, Columbus Police Department. Thank you, Anthony. And all our listeners, if you like what you hear, please subscribe to Cop Talk. And you can also follow us on Twitter at CopTalkWABC. That's at CopTalkWABC. That's our Twitter. So please follow us on Twitter. Please subscribe if you like what you hear. Until then, everyone be safe out there. Thank you. for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.